An Irish independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland's stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 Euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel any time. Shachtan. An Indo. Askeilige. Lower and once you're in a Elner Donaldson Lish and if I got shin a near lower Jeffrey the the dinner be. Me head will in policy shachan Ian Rodiana you know we're in the start of her Lish no budge bugger shoot. Skilty, fis, turmi. Nimajigiri in drama honyal ama, tamajigiri mochen honyal esta. Shachan, find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, France is burning, Macron and the pension protests. More than a million had taken to the streets across the country through the day, angry at President Macron's raising of the retirement age from 62 to 64. France on fire after what started out as a peaceful day of mass demonstrations, descending into chaos on the streets. French President Emmanuel Macron wants to push through a controversial pension reform, but the move received an angry reception as lawmakers began to sing the national anthem. You do get the feeling that it's very much sort of on the hard left, that he's the president of the rich, that he embodies everything that's wrong with France. All his predecessors have backed down and protest against pension reforms. I'm Fiona Onchin, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Catherine Field, Paris-based journalist, and John Downing, political correspondent with the Irish Independent, to discuss whether Macron is a latter-day Marie Antoinette. Catherine Field in Paris, can you describe the situation in Paris now? Well, everything's calmed down quite substantially since we saw those really brutal scenes, those violent protests late last week. We've just had word that the Constitutional Council, the highest court in France, is going to deliver its verdict on this uh, new pension law that will be handed down on the 14th of April. The government has said that they will open talks with the unions next week. But we haven't heard anything about whether or not they will pause uh, this law, whether or not they will step back from the brink. Tell us about life in Paris for the last few weeks in terms of you had the the refuse collection strike, you've had riots and, and protests. What's what's that been like to 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 operate in the city? As a journalist, it's been quite difficult because as well as just the unpleasantness of working in a city where you've had no rubbish collected uh, for the last three weeks, you've also had a far more mobile uh, protest scene. What protesters have been doing is they've been going on social media and saying, all right, let's meet at eight o'clock at Place de la Concorde. So everyone goes there. They get there, the police get there first, and then they'll say, all right, midnight at Place de la République. So you've had this constantly moving uh, protest movement. 
on top of that, you've got the police that have been getting tougher and tougher, not just on uh, the protesters, but also on journalists. They've really been making sure we kept well back, uh, making it quite difficult for us to really get some idea as to who the protesters are. That's started to be quite difficult. France is a democracy, but just now <laughs> we feel it's not really a democracy. Uh, they compare us to the people that attacked the, the capital in uh, the USA, and I think that it's absolutely uh, uh, disgusting. But also it's been quite difficult to get a f- actual feel for what's become known as the black bloc, these anarchists, these troublemakers who are usually at the front of these rallies, these big protests, and they're the ones who tend to cause the trouble. So it's been quite difficult, um, which is not something we're used to as journalists. What about going back to the start? What are all these protests about? What what is this public unrest centering on? It started out as people being unhappy with the change in the pension scheme. What Emmanuel Macron suggested, and in fact it was in his manifesto when he ran for president just last year, was to raise the retirement age to 64 years from 62. There aren't a hundred solutions if we want the pension system to be balanced. It no longer is. And the more we wait, the more it will get worse. And so this reform is necessary. And that would mean by 2030, the retirement age would be 64, and people would have to contribute some 43 years of working contributions into the pot to be able to get a quite a generous state pension. That was what it started off as. Now, you, the French are not unique in the world when you say to them, well, we want you to work an extra two years uh, at the end of your career to be able to uh, then have some sort of pension. They, you, they really did not like this, despite the fact that it was well signaled in his manifesto. So there was concern about that, particularly concern for blue-collar workers who, at that stage in their life, you really you didn't want to be having to work those extra two years. Now, Emmanuel Macron's government didn't get this through Parliament. They knew they weren't going to get the votes, so they rammed it through on an executive order, which is perfectly legitimate, perfectly legal. It's in the Constitution. But that really, if you like, lit the flame for these protests because it went through an executive order. It wasn't voted. People saw not just an unpopular law going through Parliament, but also went through on a decree from the president. And this really did get people thinking about what sort of country is France? What is its government? How powerful is its president that it can just put these things through without a vote? Where is public mood at now? Two-thirds of the population are supporting the protests and are also against the pension reform. You have a third of the population who are in favour of the pension reforms. And I think that is what Emmanuel Macron is counting on. Spring will come, the protests will will wither away and time will pass on and everyone will go off on summer holidays. Reasonable people in the country who have looked at the books, who realise that France really does at some stage need to have a balanced pension fund. He's hoping that that will win the day. You've had some people who've been out on strike now for months. uh, So their wages are very minimal. The unions can't keep paying their wages or a contribution towards their wages forever. Is this becoming the elite versus the ordinary working people type philosophical debate? 
I, I think that is more personalized than that, to be honest with you. Emmanuel Macron is a very divisive figure. He comes from an educated elite. He went to very elite schools. He's had a very gifted life, wealthy parents, went to all the best schools. He sort of worked in the civil service, came in at quite a high rank in the finance ministry, went in banking. And he, of course, he broke the mold when he became France's youngest president. So you do get the feeling that it's very much sort of on the hard left, that he's a president of the rich, that he embodies everything that's wrong with France, almost as though he is what France isn't. France is meant to be a country where, where everyone is equal, where everyone kind of has more or less the same standard of living. There are a few elite, there are a few sort of well-educated Catholics who keep their position in society, but more or less everyone's equal. The fact that he stands apart so clearly with his wealth, with his influence, and with his, if you like, his golden path to the presidency really does stick in the throat of a lot of French people. He's kind of pitched as almost a kind of a a Latter-day Marie Antoinette figure. Is that fair? I think it is fair because he, especially in the way that he is approaching subjects that the French people thought that their president should hold dear, The way the French view pensions is very much as though it is a right and you have a right to a dignified retirement. You shouldn't be going into retirement absolutely worn out, exhausted at an old age. Just tell us what happened with the watch on on the TV interview. Well, again, depends who you believe. Emmanuel Macron always wears nice suits always wears expensive jewellery, and he always has a very expensive watch. Uh, But to put this into perspective, he's never made an issue about that. He said, look, you know, I was really lucky. I finished university. I finished finishing school. I got a really good job with the bank, made loads of money, paid off all my debts, and now I'm fine. I bought a flat. I'm fine. That's how he does it. Sur les ordures ménagères, par exemple, dans certaines grandes villes. He went on to this TV interview last Wednesday, which was a lunchtime interview where he was going to explain why this pension reform had to go ahead. Now, first of all, he just... If you could have a politician that missed all the targets on this, he did. He came like a bull at a gate defending it, all the time wearing uh, this very expensive watch. Now, either at some stage during this 40-minute interview, he realized it's not a good look asking people to work for an extra two years, asking for more contributions to the pension fund while you're wearing a very expensive watch. Uh, So he slipped his hand under the table, took it off, and bingo, for the rest of the interview, the watch was missing. Uh, After two days, the Elysee Palace, the French presidential palace, came up with the reason for this. What they say is the reason was that he suddenly realized that this awfully expensive watch had been drumming on the table, had been tapping on the table uh, while he was talking and he thought it was best to take it off because of that. So you decide who you believe. How do you see this playing out from here? Do you think Macron will have to, to climb down or is he determined to push this through? Oh, I wish I knew the answer to that. Well, he's got two problems, really. One is all his predecessors have backed down and protest against pension reforms, 1995 and 2010. 
Emmanuel Macron knows, and this also sort of sticks in people's throats, he knows that the financial markets are bearing down on France. They know that France gives some 14% of its GDP to pensions, to paying the pensions. That's a lot. So he knows he's got to do something. Now, what he does, he really and truly has backed himself into a corner. Uh, If it doesn't go away, we've got that decision on the 14th of April from the Constitutional Council, the highest court in France, that will give its ruling on whether or not this is legal, it conforms with the Constitution. Certainly, if he backs down, he will be a lame duck president for the rest of his four-year term. But that having been said, he already is a lame duck. He doesn't have a majority in parliament. And he's trying to push through some quite controversial legislation on education, health, and immigration. There are no good answers for Emmanuel Macron, the French president, at the moment. And the big losers has been the the faith and democracy in France and, and the faith that the president was one of us, so to speak. John Downing, where does the French love of protests come from, if that's not too silly a question, given their history? Well, everyone will point to the revolution, of course, 1789, and then they went on and topped the king and all that sort of thing. But it, it, it's, it's much uh, more enduring than that. There's 1848, which, which, is, which is brilliantly recounted in Les Miserables, there's uh, there were the there's a Paris Commune of 1870, where they which kind of gave Paris it's it's very wide well helped in the move towards ge- giving Paris its big grand boulevards broad avenues, because they realised these small pokey back streets were so easy to barricade and occupy and very difficult to dislodge belligerents from, and then of course there's May 1968. Paris, the worst street fighting in the French capital since the liberation in 1944. Students and police clashed following extremist political action against the war in Vietnam. The students and the workers combined and brought the whole place to a, a complete standstill. And um, we've had we've had many others uh, in in the 19. 19- uh, 90s, we had the French truckers blockading the entire country. And uh, more recently, in 2018, we had Les Gilets Jaunes, the Yellow Vests. Yellow Vests refers to the neon vests that all French drivers must keep in their vehicles for breakdown emergencies. But now, it's come to symbolise a protest movement, frustrated with French President Emmanuel Macron, who they say is disconnected from the day-to-day economic difficulties suffered by workers and retirees. Like Again, Robert. similarly, bringing the country to a standstill. They have a very direct take on, uh, on a democracy and uh, public participation, and that's how they go about it. They, they tend to take to the streets and cause mayhem. Violence very often plays a, a, a part and it, it doesn't really take much for, for these things to escalate, does it? No, it doesn't. And uh, there is a thing, there's, 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 of course, a great tradition of anarchy, uh, anarcho-syndicalism, as it's called. There are, there are militant communists, there are Maoists, there are um, 
the other lads, the Trotskyites, and so on. They're all part of a not a very, not very amorphous group. And of course, there is also um, a parallel to that. At the moment, there's a huge debate about police overreaction, alleged police overreaction. The police don't take prisoners when they respond. Things do escalate very quickly. Yeah, the structure of the gendarmerie has always been that the the, the riot police are a, a very frequent uh, occurrence on the streets of Paris, probably more so than we would than we see in in the likes of 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 London or Berlin or in, or indeed Dublin. It is there has been an acceptance of that up until now, has there of, of a of a heavy hand? There is in uh, across mainland Europe. You know, I mean, Irish people, you learn quickly if you live. I've lived in, I've lived in Holland, Germany, France, um, Belgium. You learn very quickly. You don't say bull to a policeman. It's not in your interest. If they say go, you go. If they say jump, you say how high. It's, uh, there is a strong authoritarian streak. And, you know, that, that's what it amounts to. The, the main, there's a, a big segment of the police. They're called compagnie. Républicain de la Sécurité, or CRS for short. And in 1968, the chant of the students was CRSSS. As we view this crisis unfolding uh, in in the home of our Celtic neighbours, is there any reflection upon this issue that we should be taking on board in Ireland? Do you, do you see this becoming, this increasing pension age becoming an issue here? Pension age is a universal across uh, the Western world, across all OECD countries, all across Western Europe, Canada, North America, Australia, New Zealand, etc. We had it here, February 2020 general election. It surfaced very belatedly as uh, a huge um, issue in the election. Cost Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil huge volume of votes. Sinn Féin did well because they promised to actually uh, lower the age from six, the current age from 66 to 65. However, um, a plan to move it to 67 last year and 68 in, in a couple of more years, that has been put on hold. But that, that issue is not going away. The two things, an aging population and uh, people living longer, question hugely the mathematics of uh, of this issue and for example in france um there are huge there are very stark projections um basically by one projection working people by 2031 and remember we're only talking eight years from now where there'll be 31 million working people and there'll be 20 million pensioners so it's one and a half to one so it's becoming very difficult to sustain financially. They are, in my experience, very hard workers, punctilious, punctual. Um, they're there, they do it, they're very conscientious. I mean, we should remember, for example, France is a G7 economy. It's a nuclear power. It, it's, it's, a very, it's a powerhouse economy. But they have a concept of quality of life. And they don't believe that you that you uh, live to work. You work to live, but life is to be enjoyed. 
And my thanks to Catherine Field and John Downing for joining me today. I'm Fionn Sheen, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Mary Carr, researched by JJ Clark, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from Sky News, Channel 4, The Wall Street Journal, BBC News, France Van Katz, and Musica Separada. If you enjoyed the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review.